Welcome to the Encore Audio Video Podcast. Innovative technology simplified with the Encore Systems designers, Jeff Grove and Clark Von Trotha. Here's your host, Luke Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Encore Audio Video Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Anderson. With me, as always, Clark Von Trotha, Jeff Grove. We are sitting in the beautiful theater room here at the Encore Audio Video Showroom, 14th and Everett in the Pearl beautiful portland oregon it is a lovely day outside <laughs> yes it is yeah, oh it's lovely gentlemen how are we doing we're doing fantastic it's friday as it often is when we see you yes it is I, I i think we uh i think we have it set for fridays this year unless we have a schedule change we'll be doing most of these podcasts a uh, small change in the schedule if you listen to this podcast every month we're going to do it bi-monthly so we can come in with a little bit more content for you so if you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy making it uh just a small schedule change for 2020 three nice. um to kick things off i'm very excited about uh, today's topic we're going to go backwards to go forward which i think is a fun <laughs> way to do things does that sound right we're, we're going to go back to the future oh there you go yeah there you go yeah we're going to talk about the history of surround sound uh which i think is uh very exciting yeah um surround sound as we've talked about in some of the other podcasts the technology that allows it to work is moving forward very quickly into wi-fi it's working with uh easier and easier to work with from a technology standpoint for you guys yeah uh and for the consumer out there um but there's a lot of things that just having surround sound doesn't solve yeah um so let's start at the very beginning where where did surround sound start who was the first guy to come up with that idea well i don't know who started it oh some history lesson we're doing today but but it it goes back a long long ways because uh there was actually a, a form of audio called quadraphonic okay many 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 decades ago and essentially that was to take an analog stereo two channel thing uh, put it into four speakers and add a little bit of delay reverb kind of things into the speakers behind you. And that was the first kind of sort of surround, not really so, surround, but yeah, well, sound all the way around. you. Well, and for surround sound to, to work uh, effectively, you have to have the proper input, right? You can't just have, if you don't have the right oh, yeah. content and material. So the quadraphonic sounds like it was just taking, you know, there was, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, two channel audio, right? So you can only take the one channel audio and then just try to create a, a, a surrounding effect is more, yeah, more you, than actual surround and sounds. using that in a stereo environment you know so yep. there's a lot of, of of music records that were mixed in quadraphonic sound at a certain period of time and those records really took stereo front and back gotcha. and, took, and took advantage of that and so the idea was is hey we're going to give you a more enveloping experience yep. really in stereo still but kind of to jeff's point but just kind of get you get more coverage in the space. So that was the initial kind of start of that. And as- well, but even, even stereo is, I mean, the, your first, you know, foray into, into some sort of surround sound, because once upon a time, everything was mono yep, and this correct. podcast yep. is being recorded that way. So our apologies <laughs> that we did not, we're not, I'm not going to take the time in post-production to create any uh, cool effects for It'll anybody. It'll go in our report, Luke. Yeah, as it, sh- as it should. Well, yeah. I didn't know the topic until I got here. I would have had to bring a slightly different recording. Equipment. That's right. That's right. That's, um, right. that's okay. So, so you go from quadraphonic yeah. to, to... So probably the the most widely ex- accepted first form of surround was, was Dolby created something, I believe it was in the 70s, uh, called Dolby Surround, which took that same number of speakers, 
and it, it basically took an analog two-channel format. And unfortunately, I have to get a little bit technical here, but it, it took all of the, the information that was recorded out of phase and not matching within the two front channels and put it into the surround channels as a mono surround field. Okay. So now say that for dumb people like me. So if there was different information recorded left to right that were not... So phase has to do with... the Front right speaker is doing something different than front left speaker, which is doing something than back left speaker, um, which is doing something than no, back right. Am I? No, a little, a little bit different than that. So, so first off, the back two speakers were mono. They okay. were not stereo. Gotcha. So what, what Dolby Surround did is it took all of the non-consistent out-of-phase material between those two speakers took it away from those speakers and put it to the back of the room. Gotcha. So um, information that wasn't the same between those two speakers and phase has to do with, okay, if you've got one speaker that's that the sound is, is the speakers are pushing out and the other speaker might be playing the same information, but those speakers are actually pushing back, mm -hmm. that's a phase difference. Okay. So any of those differences were taken out of those speakers and put to the surround channels. Gotcha. So that's Dolby Surround. Okay. And so was that something, and, and now is a very good time to be talking about, you know, the, the technology around things because yeah. a lot of it's pushed by movie making. Yeah. Was that kind of where Dolby came from? And Yeah. Correct and understand absolutely. That? It was to, to try to create the, the illusion of, in the real world, things don't happen just in front of you, right? Yep. And so it's, it's try to create that illusion. So that was the first foyer into... How can we kind of get there? And this was long before digital, so we didn't have any of the ability to do all the crazy stuff we do today. So it's what they did. Okay, and so that's 1970s. We get Dolby surround sound. You get more yep. of that immersive movie-going experience. That's early 70s. Late, late 70s, maybe really early 80s was Dolby ProLogic. So that added a center channel to that mix. Okay. And yeah. basically the center channel did the same thing, but all in-phase-like information got pulled out of the front channels and sent to the center speaker. Okay. Yeah. And the other difference with ProLogic, too, as you started getting into that, was they were mixing and steering sound to a degree at that time. So right. when you went to go see a film like Star Wars, yep. that was Dolby Surround. You know, But as you got into the 80s, the, 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 okay, we're going to take this a bit more seriously now. We're going to kind of steer sound. So, for example... So for start, Star... We're talking Star Wars versus Empire Strikes Back right, is yeah. what we're doing. Is that, I mean, <laughs> hey, it makes sense well, to just follow the through line. Yeah, yeah. so, so the, one of the big ones that, that a lot of people of our generation dating ourselves a little bit, will remember was the big thing about THX. Okay. Yep. And THX was Lucas's version or, or um, what do they call it now? Um, ILM. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of yeah. thing. But it, it Lucas was... Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm, yeah. They, <clears throat> they, they basically took ProLogic and they hot-rotted it. Nice. I like that. To, and and we'll just it's more detailed yeah. than that but we'll just stop we, well, we don't <laughs> no, need to get it, they but, just they hot rotted it but the yeah. nice thing as we kind of got into ProLogic is it started they started looking at well what can we do at the home and okay. at this time mm -hmm. there was starting to be formats other than as we got into videotape where that was largely Dolby surround and that was it 
as we got into discs like laser discs okay. and and well and, you're and you're, you're jumping formats. ahead though because that's I, not I till, that's <laughs> not till the 90s I, I am I am but I'm, I but I but I'm but I'm I'm trying to consolidate because we could spend the entire conversation just on the 80s I mean there's a lot of things happening there but yeah. just to kind of move, move things longer as as you as formats started to change so did the surround formats and so sure. I think you mentioned earlier about well what can I play. And what will I get? Yeah, well, this, that, that's this a very good a, question. This is a good kind of juncture of that. So yeah. with videotape and, and that, that was really kind of a Dolby surround or stereo, uh, kind of the earlier, earlier, earliest elements of surround at that point. There wasn't really any surround. There. As you got into yeah. disc formats like LaserDisc, yeah. that's when things like ProLogic and his talking about THX and hot rodding things really came into its own for the home because yeah. at that point... And the home is, and the home has always been about a decade behind until well, that's recent what, that's years. That's exa- exactly yeah. what I was going to ask. So, 1970s movie theaters get Dolby Surround, and then at the end of the 70s you get ProLogic, and then in the and 80s the home gets you, the Dolby you, Surround. You got Dolby Surround in the the mid to late 80s. It's yeah, going then, home. Yeah, and then in the early 90s, 90s is when you started seeing some AV receivers that had ProLogic. Okay. So, so now with that, from a content creation standpoint, we talk about Star Wars yeah. having, having, you know, Dolby Surround and then Empire Strike Back, Strikes Back as ProLogic yeah. or THX or whatever they're doing there. We're beginning what, to expand out of that. When yeah. did, when did the mu- what did music catch up with all this? Because you can get some really immersive music experiences sans yeah, video. So, so now so you have new technology. Qu- yeah, so with quadraphonic sound early on, we talked about that. Yep. And as it moved into Dolby Surround, and now we're into ProLogic, and now we're in the early 90s, and we're starting to get into LaserDisc and so on. Um, there was a, it was a format not just for movies, but for concerts. And not just yep. for concerts, but classical music. It was rock concerts. It was all kinds of things started to show up. So content always pushes format changes. Okay. So the more content you have and the more users are, are actually buying that content, the more uh, pe- people who are trying to push a certain IP, whether, whether it's you know uh, Dolby Surround or ProLogic or, or the next incarnation of ProLogic yep. or as we move into... Uh, more advanced surround formats, that's pushed by content. Yep. And so with LaserDisc, the important thing to understand with that is it offered a much wider bandwidth mm-hmm. of sound quality. And and then we started seeing, wow, okay, there's, uh, in terms of concerts and, and, and films, um, you could steer the sound. So kind of what Jeff's getting at, but you're, you're actually steering the sound with ProLogic now at this point. So yeah. they can actually... Uh, sort of say, hey, I'm going to have this particular sound move from the front speakers to the back speakers and kind of mix it that way and have the same experience at, at home, albeit for a home mix, not yeah. like the theater mix. It's remixed yeah. for the home. But for some of these formats that were starting to appear, laser just being the most predominant. And then as that moved along... So let, let me interject real quick. Yeah. <laughs> with with LaserDisc was also because in the theaters it had started happening before this was the advent of um, we called it AC3 but it was yeah. Dolby Digital. Okay. Yeah. So Dolby Digital AC3 that was the first fully discrete 5.1 format. So we had Explain 5.1 for so, anybody So new center to this. channel, left and right front speakers, left and right surround speakers, that's your 5 and dot .1 being a subwoofer. Yep. So it was recorded with every one of those speakers having dedicated full range in phase information, plus the 0.1 channel for all those low frequency effects or LFEs, as we in the industry call it. Sure. So, so that was the first way to get that. 
was a laser disc in AC3 and you had early 1990s. Um, yeah. 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 Early to mid 1990s. Early to mid yeah. yeah. And that went on for a while. It was quite a while. That in was fact, yeah, that that went on for a while. So were laser discs a a hanging on a little bit longer in the um enthusiast population than they 100%. were okay, oh absolutely because so, it, it feels like laser discs are kind of a joke and i i mean you guys are uh we're yeah. going on a lot longer than i thought we would but there was a segment of the population the hi-fi the it, the home stereo oh, yeah. the, 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 it was back in the day if if you wanted to have the best performance for a, a media room application it was the only option okay because comparing it against analog formats that we had in the time VHS and uh, beta, Mm -hmm. those are analog. They're not digital. And the interesting thing about a laser disc was the audio track could be digital, but technically what was on the disc for video, even though it was ones and zeros was mastered off of an analog master. So it had really good picture quality compared to those tape formats. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it was a big step forward. <clears throat> Huge and, step forward. And yes, it was an enthusiast format, like a lot of these things are that are on the bleeding edge of fidelity. Sure. But it was a major change in terms of fidelity and the experience, to Jeff's point and my point. So that that was a big yep. watermark. Uh, the AC3 change from ProLogic yep. to AC3 and discrete surround, well, and actually feels, having different sounds in all the five speakers. It feels like up. when you're setting up the Dolby surround, you've got front, right, left, front, right, front, left back right back left right and that seems pretty easy to set up but what was the for, for what you guys do as system designers here at encore Audio video you're setting up somebody to maximize everything that they do how difficult was it to get the everything placed right i imagine that it's you know a lot easier now with all of everything being digital oh, yeah, sure there's no yeah. question but how difficult was it to set up one you, of those things these it feels like what you're telling me is laser disc and this setup was only for the fanatics. You, you had to be pretty yeah. precise in keeping speaker distances from the listening position pretty consistent. Yeah. And you know, back then you just didn't have very many options in terms of delay time adjustments and EQ options and uh, room EQs weren't even talked about. Yeah. Uh, so all of that stuff just made you know you, you had to you had to have a room that was very consistent in size and space or you'd, you'd get some funky anomalies. You know, if you okay. just had speakers, some speakers that were considerably closer to you than others, it wouldn't necessarily be that they would la- be louder, but they'd be out of time. Gotcha. And, and so it was, it was more yeah. difficult than today for sure. And the other thing that you're touching on, which we'll get more into as we kind of expand into where we are today. Yeah, but, that's where I wanted to. But with the room, you always <clears throat> talk about how a room affects fidelity, both video and audio. And at that time, to Jeff's point, and what Gary, you really had to take into account the space far more in a lot of ways than you do today, because there's a lot more tricks you can do today, and the and the and the world of of semiconductors weren't even remotely where they are today, obviously. Sure. So yeah. the chips that were that were put in to make to do this AC3 Dolby Digital surround were very very basic as of today. I mean, they're nothing, not even close yeah. to anything you'd have in your phone or a tablet. Computer. And so one of the so. One, one of the next steps that was a, a pretty big step was uh, when the first Jurassic Park movie came out. Okay, um, that movie Spielberg wanted that movie to have better sound than Dolby, and Dolby's problem was that <clears throat> it wasn't full bandwidth on every channel. Okay, it was compressed. Yep. 
So you had full frequency, but it was like listening to an MP3 today versus listening to, um, you know, high res music or a CD or something. So it just sounded like it was missing something. So uh, he worked with a company called DTS to create a 5.1 format, which eventually morphed into a 7.1 format from a company called DTS that was full range, full bandwidth, or, or as much full bandwidth as we could get at the time for all those channels. Yeah. So when that dinosaur was screaming at you, there's a lot more going on <laughs> yeah, than, yeah, yeah. than there was with Dolby. And it was, it, it was a very remarkable difference if you listened, if you had the ability with a system to switch it from Dolby to DTS, it was a huge difference. So what, that was what year step. was Jurassic Park? Ninety. It was in the nineties. Oh, yeah. yeah, pretty early. Yeah, like that. Really and again, content. Yeah, yeah. Pushing format. <clears throat> there's a there's a great documentary that you made me watch, uh, Light and Magic, on, yeah. the, on Disney, and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being able to watch 100% the content pushing it. But also we're talking about movie theaters pushing and yeah. being a decade yep. behind. So Jurassic Park comes out the same time that Laserdisc is king of the nerds, yep. and yeah. then we move forward. When did the at-home technology catch up to to Blu-ray and DVD? Yeah, and that whole so thing? then the next That's, big well, jump. Well, that's a ways down the road yet. Sure. But but I would say the next big jump, just to throw out there real quick, we go back to to Star Wars, to Lucas. So the first prequel, Mm. um, that movie was recorded in the first format more than 5.1. That was 2000 Ish. Uh, like 99, okay. 99. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, at the cusp down. so they called it Dolby EX and it added another speaker in the back of the room. So it added kind of a center surround speaker. And basically what they were trying to accomplish was the ability to make sound sound like it was moving right through the middle of the room instead of moving from maybe the center on the front side of things out to the sides and yep. nothing behind you. Yeah. So it was, it wasn't full bandwidth. It wasn't full frequency. It kind of used that ProLogic idea, but for a center channel behind you. But it was the first foyer into getting closer to some of the stuff we have today. Yeah, and when we just had the Avatar movie come out at the time this podcast is being recorded. I think we've all seen yeah. it. Uh, I have not. Oh, okay. So Clark and I have seen but yeah. But they, the theater makes a big difference when you see that movie um, 100%, yeah. and and so this was would have been the same thing with yep. the the prequels for the star well, and, wars and movie. to talk about the prequels as an example when everyone saw that film and they saw the the pod races in that mm-hmm. film it was astonishing it was it was sonically it was that, that was yeah. like wow that was a big improvement you could tell in the theaters but it takes time between the time being in theaters to the time it actually is replicated in the home sure. and you can play it on a format in the home which was really that change that Jeff's yeah. kind of getting at kind of led into a, the next big watershed. Cause we could go on about the kind nuances. Of, kind of the, the, the thing that happened in the late mid to late nineties, uh, I want to say it was 95 or something yeah. like that was DVD okay. came out. Uh, and then we had the the fully digital stuffs going on with. So no- did DVD replace Laserdisc then or yeah, yeah. slowly, so, so, yeah. slowly. But one of the things with DVD is that DVD kind of came in a, in a couple forms. So in the initial single layer DVD, um, it had um, the promise of, again, one step forward again in video, yep. as well as improvements in audio. But the other big change with DVD content-wise is it offered special features yep. now yep. that were 
that were, uh, while you had special features that came with Laserdisc, they oftentimes weren't nearly as, as, as in-depth. as That was kind of the revolution in DVD because they were selling a lot more DVDs than they were of Laserdisc. Sure. DVD was the first time that the average guy, after a few years of being out, could go buy a player, yep. have plenty of titles. Well, they weren't super expensive. And they even, weren't expensive like Laserdisc. were, I, were, were I a lot more money. I think the first player was five or $600. No, nope, it was a grand. Was Sony it that much? It. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> whatever. I thought it was, but, I thought it was a Toshiba, at, but whatever. At the beginning, yeah, at the very beginning. Yeah, Toshiba and Sony were very similar type. But I think Sony just being, but yeah. And, and that player, when you came out, it came with a couple discs. So sure. when you bought the player... They were already pushing that format. So how that often, format how often in your life have you watched the special features on, on DVDs? This is the guy? This is the guy. This is the guy. But I, 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 I watch the movie unless it's one of those you know film franchises or something that I really love. Then, okay, maybe I'll dive into some of that. But Yeah, no, I'm, on, I'm, I'm less than, certainly less yeah. than 5% of DVDs that I've watched in my life. Have a lot of our clients, features. you'll be, as, a, as a cross-section, though we do deal with a lot of enthusiasts, of course, sure. so it's, maybe, it's certainly jaded. But <laughs> a lot of them like that kind of stuff. It just depends on your interest in film, of course. Yeah, yeah. But if you do have a, a curiosity about film, it, it, there's a lot that you can learn from them. And, and in, in addition, it was a, a boom. I yeah. mean, a, a relatively low, quali- low popularity Cost, yeah. film yeah. would sell millions of DVDs. Yep. That would never happen today with streaming. But I mean, of course, back then, that was the... So, yeah. so one thing that we haven't talked about along this along this journey. So we've got the technology that creates the surround sound kind of growing and, and I think we're pretty consistent with you're about a decade behind the it going it home. It starts to catch up a little bit. A little bit. At yeah. the beginning it was pretty but, slow. But the one thing we haven't talked about is the quality of the actual screen, the projector, the television that you're watching it on at home. When where are the big jumps in in technology? When do we move from, you know, the the flat to flat screen TVs yeah. and and all of that too and and it has speaker quality changed yeah all that yeah. much yeah, yeah i mean okay. it yeah so so on the the video side of things kind of kind of two things that i think you're asking there you know we went from tube crt technology so whether that was the old tube television or a projector that had the three color guns on it if you remember okay. those yep. monsters yep. from a million years ago and kind of at the same time, on both types of video displays, uh, we went to flat screen TVs, whether that was plasma or LCD at the beginning. Um, and that was almost dictated on size. The big stuff was plasma. The small stuff was LCD. And then kind of the same thing on projectors. We moved away from CRT and into a, a single lens type product, which usually was LCD. There was a few other formats that kind of came. Some are still around, some are gone, but still it was all this single lens format with a basically a, a high-pressure light bulb that was creating the, yeah. the, the backlighting for it and all that. And those were about the same time. I would say sometime in the 90s is when yeah. we kind of saw those switches. So the yeah, whole you know, theater experience was yeah, really, as, as DVD, really getting a lot And we can go, affordable. there's been a lot Absolutely. that's been discussed with DVD and how that's sure. affected you yeah. know, home theater and, and projection and, and, of course, display technologies. But the, the big shift in, in both my and Jeff's mind uh, was when, it, when we changed from DVD to Blu-ray as yeah. a format. That yep. was a massive shift for a lot of reasons. Number one, Blu-ray offered full HD quality film 
on the same size format yep. that was, and there was a format war. This was the there first was, time what was it, we uh, had HD DVD. HDVD. We had DivX. DivX, which was another thing that which was like buried, you could only watch it for a certain amount I don't know of time if you and remember, then it would crash. Jeff, remember <laughs> that store with DivX that did the uh, um, uh, what was um, that did the uh, they were a, a retailer, an AV retailer that was involved in that. Um, what was that? Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't come remember. So you guys are um, Anyways, long story short, there was three it. formats, and they yeah. were all vying for this high-definition DVD-sized disc. Yep. And Sony, I'll never forget this. This was at one of the major trade shows. All the studios were sort of like positioning themselves with different Circuit City. Was Divix? That's okay. right. That's and what it was. Divix Circuit City. So Circuit City no said, longer around. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> well, what we're going to get to in a second. We're going to get. We're going to get to in a second. They sell cars now. Oh, well, they, we're we're going to get to that. They Max. They're not Circuit City. They're anymore. not Circuit City. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. Uh-huh. But my point is, is that okay? <laughs> you backed this format, and so each of the formats were vying for studio support because whatever studio would support that format, that was the one that was, and whoever had them all the studios. Yep. Was gonna win, which is so it was. A, it was a, you just described the history of filmmaking. Yeah, it was the it was exactly yeah. it was the last man standing approach, right? Yeah. So, Sony and their brilliance behind the scenes said, "Hey, we're gonna cut deals with all these studios," and at one of the major trade shows, uh, where everyone was gonna come out and like Divix was gonna announce uh, and all these, they're all gonna announce. Sony's like, "Well, we're not gonna give up the rights like we did on DVD because they were one of the big." And, yeah. and Sony also DVD. learned their lesson with Betamax too. Exactly. And with Betamax format, which we won't get into that format war. <laughs> they said, listen, we're going to own Blu-ray and we're going to license it to everybody else. And we're going to basically make deals with all these film studios before the rest of these formats <clears throat> can do it with them. So HD, DVD, DivX, and Blu-ray all fighting for that high definition, small disc format. They announced at the show, we, we made deals with all these formats and the rest of the studios were like, the rest of the formats it, were like, what? It, it was and the, they literally closed overnight yeah, and it, it just it was, buried oh, everyone. Oh, it was oh, a brutal, it, brutal Yakuza just yeah. it, it was crazy mic drop. how fast those other formats yeah. died. I, I've never seen anything like that yeah, in was, my 30 plus years of doing was there, this. It was, was there it any was advantages really that those other formats held over blu-ray or were they also similar that it wouldn't have mattered well there was one format blu-ray actually had an advantage over hd dvd and that was is that the size of the discs that blu-ray was using were much larger the amount of content you could put on that disc in terms of gigabits was much larger and that shift getting into your question on displays really then pushed the display technology because now there was a format that everyone could own they could watch hd regularly and high quality audio and video and so now we're going to push the, the we're going to really push projection technologies. We're really going to push uh, display technologies, whether it's a flat screen display and moving into from LCD into OLED and all those all the new technology changes that we're seeing today. That was the real start of a lot of those shifts because now there was enough people at home who who wanted to view this yep. format and then see it on the best display possible. So it all fuels all that. Content where, where, where fuels is, all that. Where is the surround sound along this? So along the, this on the audio side of it with Blu-ray, we now had enough data available or space for data available that we could go beyond kind of CD sound quality and get into what a lot of the formats called master uh, high-res formats. So greater bit rate, um, greater kilohertz of processing, all, all of those things were now available for movie soundtracks as well. Uh, just because the, the disc was 
technically had more space on it. Uh, so we, we started seeing uh, what Dolby called Dolby True HD and uh, DTS called uh, DTS Master Audio, which, which was exactly that. It was, it was 5.1 or 7.1, but they were in high-res recordings. So it's going from that CD quality to something beyond. So now if we go back and watch, you had Star Wars in the theater, and then you had it on VHS. Yeah. And then you got it on DVD. Or is each one of so so the theater experience was better than the VHS experience? Every, every time. Every sure. time. E- even in 1977 is yep. that when it came yep. out? Yeah, film so, was was always better because it back then it was always film and it yep. was always better than that magnetic tape. But format. we're talking about the surround sound too, though. Yeah. I mean, oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then yeah, still. Yep, so then still it's better. remastered for DVD or Laserdisc. Uh-huh. Is yep. is the sound is nope. it doing more still not as good as still the not original? as good as the theater. Okay. DVD, Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Um when are we remastering going remastering okay. the All right. thing? Yeah, so, so we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. So Blu-ray is starting to get I, I wouldn't say better than the theater <clears throat> experience, but it's at least catching up at this point. And the so the nineteen seventy seven theater experience, not the re-release. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, and and theater technology, keep in mind, is still ahead, yep. right? But but it's starting to catch up, meaning your experience at home could be improved. Yeah. The big, big shift with Blu-ray as Blu-ray came along is they said, Well, okay, we really need to get a format that can deliver and get rid of a color format called NTSC. And NTSC is, was developed, you know, when televisions came out in the 50s, it was designed to be a very low bandwidth, easy to broadcast color format that we all agreed upon, all the broadcasters would agree upon as color television emerged. Uh, and the reality was is that it wasn't thought of as the end-all be-all, but it yeah. became that because no one revisited it. Sure. And so the studios, predominantly Sony to start, but many others said, hey, that NTSC, it's really not doing it for us. We can't, we can't deliver the color fidelity that we do in, we deliver in on film and in theaters or in what's starting to appear, digital projection, which Jeff mentioned, Star Wars Phantom Menace, but also the later films, yep. Attack of the Clones and so on. That really started to push digital technology in theaters now, where they were actually projecting from a And the filming process. And the too. filming yeah, process was, as well. That was the thing from Light and Magic that I took away was George Lucas was a proponent of digital from Jump. From yeah, the jump. He, and he, he really wanted, pushed that. He wanted yep. to do Phantom Menace in with digital cameras, and he couldn't because the cameras weren't ready. Yeah. But Attack of the Clones moving forward was yep. and so interestingly if if you happen to be one of these geeks like Clark and I that that <laughs> every time those films come out in a new high res mastered format i.e. they they came out on a, a a complete compilation of all nine movies in 4K remastered blah 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 and um the original three films because their film look quite good yeah. mastered over but uh, and, and then, of course, from Attack of the Clones forward, they were all in digital, so the remastering process was fairly minor. But Phantom Menace is kind of a weird film because it was it was filmed with film, but then it was mastered over digital to a DI, and and that process actually made the picture kind of soft. Yeah. So when they tried to remaster that to make it look as good as possible on 4K. Uh, for whether it be streaming or or if you have the discs for it, 
it's actually the worst looking film of all yeah. of them because it's, because it wasn't shot on film. Right. It was yeah. actually it's actually it's at the a time weird, it's the, it's they a had it format. quite caught up. But yep. but this change, the students for years were thinking we got to get better color than NTSC. Yep. We have to to Jeff's point, we have to get better DIs in theaters for digital projection. What can we do to fix this? And so all these engineers kind of got together and they said, okay, this is what we want. We want it to be four times high definition. We want to have better color. We want to have better audio. We want to have spatial audio sound. And so that pushed where we are today. Okay, where are we today? Where are we today? We have what's called 4K. Jeff mentioned it. And there's and 4K is just resolution, right? So it's you're talking a multitude of higher resolution, both horizontally and vertically with pixels. So you're getting a much higher resolution than you are with HD. And depending on the compression used, most of the time when you look at a 4K, if you've looked at the same thing that was mastered in high definition and then you watch it in 4K, most people, if, if projected on a large enough screen, could say, yeah, I could see there's more detail there. Yeah. But it depends on what you're looking at. There's some things where there just wasn't enough detail to begin with. So moving it to 4K is going to, that, sh- that shift will be less. Yeah. The Citizen, bigger, Kane, Citizen Kane, we're not going to notice the difference. Well, <laughs> you might be surprised. Citizen Kane actually looks really good. For it. But, but depends, that's film. But that's film. And there's a lot of content. But, but it, like I said, it depends on what you're, you're coming from. Yeah. Now. Now I want to see Citizen Kane. The big, <laughs> it looks great in 4K, by the way. Um, it, but, but here's the big, big shift. The bigger shift than even that for a lot of people, for the layman eye, was uh, the color part. Remember we were talking about yep. NTSC. They said, we want to do what's called high dynamic range yeah. formats. And so HDR, and now Dolby got involved in that, which is even more beyond, which is called Dolby Vision. They went through and they said, hey, we want to show a much wider gamut of color in, in the order of millions. And so now we're at the point where you can look at, say, for a a Coke can, which you, Jeff and I talk about this a lot, yep. but the actual Pantone color of Coke, you could not see in NTSC before. That that red was yeah. not producible. The, the only way you could today. see that color up until the formats we have now was on film. Okay. Correct, yeah. So, so if, if somebody actually filmed a Coca-Cola commercial and you went and watched that in a theater that used actual film and you compared that against the Coke can in your hand, same color. Yeah. Gotcha. But, so that's what we're talking but, about. But, More realistic yeah. color, better color. But it's not just color, it's the range, what we call the gamma. Yeah. So gamma basically just means the whitest white to the blackest black. What is that range? And it's a much wider range. So we're having a much more dynamic picture. It's a brighter picture, has better color, and it has better what we call shadow detail. So when you look at a, a film that has a lot of dark scenes, you can make out those dark scenes a lot better. So now we're at this 4K format. And so people always ask us this question. Clark, I look at 4K all the time on streaming. <laughs> and I look at it on, and, and then you show me these cool discs sometimes when I come in at your work. And sometimes the streaming looks really good. Yep. And sometimes it doesn't. Why is that? Yeah. That's all about compression and how much the video is compressed. So it can still be 4K, but maybe it's SDR, standard dynamic range, yeah. not HDR, high dynamic range. And so the color won't be as, as immersive uh, and it won't have as wide a range of dynamic uh, gamma and all that. Yeah. Um, but the best formats today are, are, are still going to be on disc. So and Blu-ray those, is, is still the uh, It's called a 4K Blu-ray. 4K so it's the 4K Blu-ray. Blu-rays. Right. And those Blu-ray discs offer the best fidelity you can get for both video 
and now audio. This and I'll have Jeff here, elaborate yeah. more on the audio. But the audio side of this is it, with Atmos completely blew out as much as the video did yeah the audio did as well and it completely changed how we experience audio in in a room and it fixed problems oftentimes in rooms now the difficult rooms that to do surround you could now do if you could get the additional speakers in. and jeff can elaborate more a little bit more on that so but. what is what is atmos i know i've heard, so let, I've heard let's it back up just a, okay. just a minute here and then we'll move forward to that so with with the the 5.1 7.1 recording format those were designed to, to be a speaker system all at ear level, at listening level. Sure. So, so there was nothing going on, kind of, you know, voice of God, sound coming over your head, none of that three-dimensional stuff. You could create that illusion by moving the sound through the room, but you, it wouldn't... It, it wouldn't go over yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of the really good like higher-end systems... an airplane, systems, you just, your brain goes, that's above me, it's an airplane. Right, yeah, you right, but it wasn't really above you. Yep. The other big difference was the the way that those initial um, five and seven dot one formats were recorded. They used something called steering logic, and for just to make it simple, let's just say that that the recording artist has a joystick, and they're trying to make the sound of this airplane move from the front left speaker to the back right speaker, and they would literally just pull the joystick from speaker to speaker to make yeah. that sound move a little more detail than that, but that's just to make it easy <clears throat> with the, the spherical formats, whether it be Dolby Atmos or DTS X or whatever, there's a few others out there. Um, that idea went away. And so what they, they came up with was a <clears throat> what's called placement logic where they, they would create the room in a three dimensional rendering and then in that three-dimensional rendering, say, from this spot in the room to that spot in the room, I want to make this sound move. So let's just say it's the airplane. I want to make sure. it move from, from here to there, whatever that is. And in doing that, okay, in the three-dimensional rendering, that gets recorded into the system. And then in your home, when we have whatever assortment of speakers, let's say it's five speakers at listening level, center channel in front of you, left and right speakers in front of you, left and right surround speakers behind you, a subwoofer on the floor somewhere. And let's say we have four speakers up above you as those height atmos channels, two towards the front of the room, two towards the back of the room. And in that setup, we actually tell the system how far away they are from you and roughly the locations in the room that they're located. So when the processor says, okay, I need to create this illusion of this sound moving from this point in space in time to that point in space in time in your room, I need to play this amalgam of speakers at this, in this way to make that illusion happen. So it's, no, it, it's a much more advanced sure. form of surround sound. And at the, the end of it is what I notice, whether it be here in the showroom or at home, uh, it doesn't sound like I'm listening to a speaker system anymore. Yeah, it the speakers go away, and it's more like I'm out walking around listening to the world. Yeah, well, and, and the difference with that too is as you move around the room, it it follows you a little bit. That's kind of part well, of kind of yes. Well, the other the thing too is that you know before where you were seated, where you're seated in the space, where you know, you're it, seated. It seated. <laughs> We were seated, yeah. We were seated in the space. It it, it really um, 
it, it, the speakers were kind of predominantly around that spot. Yep. With Atmos, it is atmospheric, obviously. Yep. So, so the nice thing about that is it, it evens out the experience for everyone because you have more speakers. And it also allows the sound engineer to actually place, the placement logic was far more precise. So if he wanted to place a sound literally right next to you or right behind your head or 12 feet back from you, that could be done, and that illusion was was absolutely possible for everyone in the space, but not it, just where you're at the sweet spot. You know, yeah, so but they could put the sound thing. in between two people almost. Correct. Right? They, no, if they absolutely. Aim for the center of the room. No, 100%. It, it would be in between the three of us, and we can all be kind of feeling and, it. And, and they've even done a lot of uh, movie remastering, so so we can go back to the first Jurassic Park, and in you know the scene where the the T Rex is. He comes out of the forest. And I've actually he, never and, seen Jurassic Park. I'm sure you haven't. No, I'm and, just and eats the, <laughs> eats the goat. I, I could get him on it, but no, uh, no. I know. No, he <laughs> eats the goat, and you know, there's yeah, rain going on, yeah. all that. And and in the this this spherical format of surround sound, whichever form you're using, now the rain is hitting yeah, that oh, glass roof above yeah. your head, and yeah. it's very noticeable. Uh, when when the dinosaur comes out of the the forest and and eats the the goat. That's in front of you. You hear that. And then when he throws that leg over the top, <laughs> you hear that thing hit above your head. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very different experience than with just speakers around the room. And so so, so now desk. where we're at, though, so there's no way that we're a decade behind any longer. No, uh, when, when, when the technology yeah. goes into it. So, so I mentioned that now is a good time to be having this conversation because the newest Avatar movie just came out. Yep. How close can you replicate the in-theater experience at home so avatar is an interesting point because it, exactly that, yeah it, it, really uh-huh yeah because avatar that, is in i mean yeah. it's visually insane if, but you can so you if, can do the same laser projection you can do the same laser projection yeah the the big thing that avatar is bringing to place is is new 3d technology yep. that has never been seen before in a theater of 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 that quality yeah. and uh, and in imax and in that like we talked about it also brings another format that isn't quite in at the home on a predominant level which is called high frame rate yep. which allows you to take cg content and 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 uh, <clears throat> motion capture content and then regular shot content and and blend that in a way where like the high frame rate, um, it gives you the illusion of kind of a hyper real experience. And so they apply that to a lot of CG stuff. Obviously a lot, most of Avatar is CG and they, and the CG water and the new Avatar, yep. the way of water is incredible. But the real, the real thing people always ask me is like, hey, I have this great new theater now. Yep. I think my theater rivals my theatrical experience or is similar yeah. in a lot of cases. What should I use to show off my room? What do I need? To sh- what do I need to have that ultimate experience in my space? And what I always tell people is, your display has to at least be able to do 4K Dolby Vision. Okay, you got to have that. Unless whether it's, it's a, pro- a pro- whether it's, it's a projector, projectors can't yeah, do Dolby Vision. But. Projection can't do Dolby Vision. It can only do HDR. But projection has the added benefit of it can it can do multi form or multi aspect ratios yep. and there's other things. But there are projectors that are starting to emerge from companies like Hisense and things like that that are short throw projectors that will have Dolby Vision within the next year. Whew. They're bright enough because they're using really high-powered RGB lasers and they're, they're short throw and all that, but they're very specific. Yep. But in general, Jeff is right. There's, there are no projectors today that you can buy that can do that that are for the home, really. Um, the other part to that is, well, content. Well, what do I have to stream that can get me this high-resolution, better audio content? Well, streaming does have 
Atmos. It yeah. does have 4K, but it is compressed comparatively to 4K disc. And if people say, well, what players do I need? You need a 4K Blu-ray player there to play go. a disc. Yeah. And you also need a receiver or a preamp processor and amplifier combination that can do Atmos and do Dolby Vision and do HDR and do 4K. And we can help you to make sure that if you're upgrading in your room today, these are some of the products you're going to have to upgrade to make all that happen. It's not just about the components. Uh, well, we consider these products components interconnects, but they are. it's also about cabling. Your cables have to be <clears throat> high speed enough to transfer the 4K information, sure. Dolby's information to the, to the new display you're getting as well. Um, but once you have all that in place and you have the right amount of speakers for the space and so forth to take advantage of Atmos as well, it's a very compelling experience. And people say, well, what are the best discs to experience that? I can give you two great recommendations. Actually, three. Laserdisc. Uh, nope, no, 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 no. We're talking 4K Blu-ray, well. but if you want the best experience in your house, um, these are three titles that you should run out and buy today. Okay. Top Gun Maverick in 4K <laughs> is incredible. Okay. Dune in oh, 4K. Okay. The new Dune, Denny yep. Villeneuve's the latest Dune that came out last year. That is incredible in 4K. Absolutely just mind-blowingly good. Both those films, both video and audio-wise, are absolute reference discs that you should okay. consider and purchase. So those, mm -hmm. are, those are some good ones to look at. The last thing I'll throw out uh, about the audio side of things, um, home versus theater Theaters are really large rooms, right? Yep. So, and Dolby and DTS in their spherical formats have the capability of well over a hundred channels of audio. So, a, a ridiculous number so of compared speakers. to what was the original surround? Was it three channels or was it four? It was it was four speakers, four but with three channels. channels. Three channels, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yep. So yeah. that, say I remember yeah. correctly. I so, knew it was four speakers, yeah, but so, only three so channels. So Atmos yeah. is. I, I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 164 channels yeah. or something like that. So. There are some theaters around the greater Portland area that get a little nuts with the number of speakers they have, and I suspect that they're doing closer to this. For a home, that's probably silly. <laughs> probably, probably not going to get away with that. If somebody came in here and said that they had a room big enough to hold 164 speakers, we, you guys we wouldn't have, turn them away. So the, the biggest, I believe the biggest system we have the ability to deploy is in the neighborhood of a 20 some channel system okay. for a home system. And, and I mean, realistically, that's a lot of speakers yes. in, I don't care how big your room is. Sure. Yeah. Um, never done one that big, you know, normally the, the biggest systems we're doing are in the neighborhood of, if I count subwoofers, 15 or 16 speakers. How many subwoofers would you max out at? Um, depends one, on the room size. One under each chair. Depends on the room size. The, no, we often do two or three. The, three. Yeah. the the biggest system that we've done has five subwoofers okay. in it. Okay, uh, and that's with uh, thirteen other speakers. So that's a feel it in your bones. Yeah, so there's a experience. lot of stuff going yeah. on. Um, that being said, woofers are pretty important, and that's a whole kind of conversation in itself. But uh, we we recommend nothing less than two today. Sure. Um, I personally use three in my system, and it's it's not about more bass. It's it just does some other magical things, and it's quite epic. Um, and, and so, you know, most a systems, bit of a humble brag there. <laughs> most mo well, I mean, even our theater quite room does epic. Even our theater room does some similar things here in the showroom as well. Uh, but most of our systems are either a 
uh, a nine speaker solution or an 11 speaker solution okay. with two or more subwoofers, something like that'll that. Get, that'll give you that. At, oh, yeah. Atmospheric oh, oh, sound yeah. And if and you're curious what we're it. talking about, like, hey, what does this really mean? You know, if I bring some 4K discs in, you know, and I really want to experience a, a compelling um, vision of what my space could be. We can display that here. You right can come here. experience that here and really see what that upgrade <clears throat> could mean for you. But it is a substantial one. And this, and this latest round of upgrades to 4K Blu-ray and, of course, 4K streaming and Dolby Atmos, like always, it, it was a massive jump from what was there before, prior. And um, it really, I think, in a lot of ways, this may be the last physical format we may see. I think yep. going forward, it's predominantly going to be um, streaming. Okay. Yeah. Well, if uh, you are curious to see any of this, when Cork says here, of course, he's referring to the Encore Audio Video Showroom. It is at 14th and Everett here in the Pearl District. Yeah. Uh, if you want to just uh, dip your toe in the water, the uh, website is EncoreAudioVideo.com. You can check out uh, a little bit more information there, find more episodes of this podcast, get everything that you need. But um, I, I am very, I'm very uh compelled to bring up this last question and I, I think I know the answer to it. The one thing about all of this technology that we've talked about over the last year certainly is as it goes up in quality, it's also coming down in price. Yeah. Oh yeah. So getting getting the ability to do that, uh, also more connectivity with uh, greater ease is another thing. So if you've ever thought about putting in that home theater or or getting the most out of the, the space that you already have, now's the best time to do it. Uh, yeah. For sure. So uh, come and talk to these guys, Jeff Clark. Thank you as always. Uh, always yeah. nice to talk to you. Thanks, always Luke. Nice. Thanks, Luke. Thank you for listening to the Encore Audio Video Podcast. If you have questions about today's topic or to schedule your free consultation with Jeff and Clark, go to EncoreAudioVideo.com.